Welcome to My Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by an actor, now turned journalist, um, a sports journalist who is probably best known for playing Lofty in EastEnders, also had parts in Patriot Games, Sherlock Holmes, but a um, huge Arsenal fan. And if I'm right in saying, also is well known for being the one of the writers, the ghostwriter for David Beckham's autobiography. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but today we have Tom Watt. Is that true, Tom? Uh, yeah, that is Yeah, I mean, what's not true is that I'm uh, a football journalist because I've not pulled out on the edge. I don't do any. I don't do any stuff in the papers or on the radio. I'm just um, kind of too old for that sort of thing. If you know, I listen, I watch. You know, and it, it kind of dawned on me. I thought, well, if that's what people want, they don't want me. So. I've left all that. No, I do. I've um, ghostwritten a few, a uh, few. F- well, I've just finished one actually with uh, Paul Davis, who used to play in midfield for uh, Arsenal. Yeah. He's now a senior coach developer uh, um, at the FA. We've just finished doing his autobiography together. A couple of years ago, I did Andy Woodward's autobiography with him, the guy who, who kind of broke the story about um, sex abuse in uh, child sex abuse in football. Um, and then, yeah, back in two thousand and three i did um i did david's with him uh so uh yeah and and i've done one or two others actually got nothing to do with football so really i write i write books i do um i make documentaries and i work for ea sports on the fifa game as a a, you know i just kind of write write script and advise on narrative and stuff for them so that's that's kind of enough really and they those are things that where there's you know, where I can see there's half a future. You're still a busy man then, Tom. Say again? You're still a busy man then. Yeah, yeah, it is. Really, I should be knocking it on the head my age, but, you know, and just concentrating on watching football because I do, I go and watch the Arsenal, obviously, but I'm out in the Cotswolds now. So I've gone, I've got a season ticket in my local team, Cheltenham Town as well. Um, Just finished their best ever season, finished on 55 points in League One. Um, no, no, 56 points. Got a draw at Cambridge on uh, on Saturday. So 56 points, just going to stand behind the goal there and have a, you know. <laughs> so, so I could probably just knock it all on the head and just go and watch football for the rest of my life. But um, no, there is, while people are asking for work to be done, I'll, I'll do the work. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So we've got you here to talk about your best 11, for not for Cheltenham, but for the Arsenal. Um, and the best 11 you've seen, um, obviously throughout your time being an, being a Gooner, being an Arsenal fan. So, um, first of all, I mean, Arsenal, where's where's that come from? Where's the, why, oh, why, why, just, the, why the know, Arsenal? There, there, there was a time when everybody supported their local team um, in that, you know, football wasn't on telly, travel was that much more complicated. And I grew up 20 minutes walk from, uh, from Arsenal. So that was always going to be the team. This is back mid 60s. So, you know, we're, we're talking about, best part of 60 years that I've had players to choose from and players that I've watched. I've had a, I've had a right good go of it to be perfectly fair. Um, and um, yeah, so it was just, you know, it was dads and lads. I took my old man into taking me. He wasn't a big football man, funny enough, but he, you know, he took me mid sixties. Um, we were at White Hart Lane um, on the Monday night and then uh, I was at Wembley. We could only get one ticket. So I was at Wembley on the Saturday to see Arsenal do the double for the first time. And after that, we decided we'd get season tickets. So I've had season tickets to Highbury and now the Emirates for, well, you do the maths. It's, what is it? That's 50 years, isn't it? 50 years. Is it 50 years? Yeah. 
51 yeah. maybe um but um for a long long time fantastic fantastic so you're here to talk about your 11 like i said um and what we can do is just jump straight in um so those people who haven't listened yeah. to the podcast before what uh what tom's going to do is Describe some of the players, give us some clues. And as you're listening, the car, the tube, the train, wherever it is, or just walking around the house, um, just try and have a guess. See if you can guess along. See if you can beat myself and Marv to guess the players that Tom's put in. So, first of all, formation. What's the formation you've gone for for your best 11? Uh, we'll go for a 4-4-2. Excellent. But, tr- um, true true Arsenal fan. Players, both the wide players are just grafters absolute grafters and actually represent the club represent the values of the club like very few others and so uh, they will absolutely tuck in when we're we haven't got the ball so not a problem excellent excellent so we'll jump straight in goalkeeper and if you want to you can give a couple of mentions honorable mentions after each position if you want to so people who you think you don't want to annoy yeah, well, so, but I won't mention those because that narrows it down too much. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I'll mention them after. Yeah. But the one I've gone for it, it, is, I mean, you say, first of all, the goalkeeper. And it's funny you say the goalkeeper because that's what he was known as, the goalie. That was what everybody called him around Arsenal. He was, he was that good, to be perfectly fair. Um, the goalie, funny enough, um, so in terms of clues, it's quite rare you win the league and then think, oh, we've got to change the keeper. But that's what Arsenal did. Um, and um, great goalkeeper left the club. As I say, left the club as a, a, a league, a Division One winner, a league winner. Um, Tom, was he, was he an international? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. And in kind of um, 120-odd caps? Well, not 120 caps. No, Arsenal have never had a player who's been capped 120 times. Oh, um, that takes out the one I was going for, Northern Irish. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, absolutely. Pat Jennings was a one. That's where I was going. And more fools Tottenham that they let him go on a free. But um, and, and he was still absolutely top of his game. But, you know, if you look at him now, you go, all right, he's a, he's a Tottenham man, Pat. And a Northern Irish man, obviously. This, m- m- the goalie was English through and through. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and, and was very much, although he did, he, he was at a couple of clubs previously, Leeds, QPR. Yep. Um, yep. But he was, uh, he was a proper Arsenal man. Yeah. You got it, Andrew? Yep. Great moustache and a great ponytail. There we are. Well, not lately, but yeah. No, nah, no, nah, back in his day. Back in his day. <laughs> so David Seaman is a goalie. Correct. What do you like to see in a Correct. goalie? What do you like to obviously you say you sit behind the sit behind the um the goal at Cheltenham? Um whereabouts you Dan, sit in the Emirates? Stand behind the Dan, goal. Stand, Dan, 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 sorry. Stand sorry. Where'd I you like, go in the Emirates? Um I, look, I'm uh kind of all over the place actually. My season tickets are on the east side uh, more or less where they were at Highbury, but a bit more towards the middle, so east lower. But um, but I, uh, I'm all over the place at uh, yeah. Arsenal to do some work at the club and on match days, and then I'll go and they'll sort out see. So, but in a goalkeeper, I stand behind the goal at Cheltenham, so I do see a lot of keepers, and I'm not 100% convinced, funny enough, um, by the keeper we've got at the moment. I I like I'm a bit old fashioned like that. I love goalkeepers who stop shots, who keep the ball out. And I know now everybody's got to be able to play. 
you know, everybody's, it's about distribution and, you know, and uh, actually the goalkeeper struggled. The goalie struggled. Dave Seaman struggled. Um, the, the back pass rule put him and a whole generation of goalkeepers off their stride for, for at least a season, a season and a half. Um, but if you want someone who stops shots, then he's your man. It's like, it's right. like I love a centre half who can head it and kick it. Whereas I know the modern way is, you know, <coughs> can they play? Can they start attacks? That's all fine. But when push comes to shove, yeah. I, can want, defend? I, want, I want a centre half who can head it and kick it. So yesterday against West Ham, obviously Ben, ben White has had a problem with a hamstring. He's been the regular starter alongside Gabriel at, at centre half. And, you know, everybody thought, oh, he can play, he can pass it. So Rob Holding comes in. I'll take Rob Holding all day long because he heads it and kicks it. And true enough, you know, proof of the pudding, he's, he, he was man, man of the match yesterday. He's, he's great. And so that's my... So with goalkeepers, first of all, I want to know, do they stop shots? Do they come and get crosses and do they stop shots? And, you know, Dave Seaman was great for, great for Arsenal, great for England. All right, definitely, definitely. So we'll move on to right back. Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously, because I go back so far, you sort of rule out a whole big chunk of your listenership because they wouldn't have the faintest about that. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, for me, is when you're a teenager is when you get football. You know what I mean? You, you don't kind of get to 30 or 40 and go, oh, yeah, football's my thing. Right. When you're a little kid, I think you're so kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. You don't really know what's going on out in front of you. You're just kind of on the crowd and all these old geezers swearing and smoking. This is fantastic. But I think when you're a teenager, you start to have that connection, you know, grow up and we want something to belong to. We want something to identify with. We want to, want to be able to go to football and go, that's me, that is. And so a lot of my favourite players come from that era, you know, the... the um, the 70s. Yeah. Um, and uh, this one uh, was part of the team that, that won Arsenal the double um, for the first time in, in 71. But he had an, an amazing career. He appeared, uh, still a record, appeared in five, F, five FA Cup finals for Arsenal. Um, I think three of them as, as captain. And that kind of stretched from 1971 right through to the end of the uh, of the 70s. He did go away for a short while to coach uh, at Watford, but then came back um, and was um, a coach, youth level, first team level, everything at Arsenal. So, you know, he was probably involved with the club for maybe, he's been involved with the club, and uh, Pat, uh, sorry, and he's still involved <laughs> with the club. Now. Goes to every game, pretty much home and away, doesn't work for the club anymore. But now I think he can enjoy the Arsenal in a way that as a player and a, a coach, he was always very defensive and, you know, yeah. very kind of... I was going to guess him. I was going to guess him anyway. That's the only one I knew, Pat Rice. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Pat Rice. 100%. Yes. Great, great Arsenal man. Yeah. I mean, did you, obviously as a player, you're talking about him as a player, but as a, as a manager and as a coach, there's you you'd obviously got some some insight into the Arsenal and things like that. Was it true that he was kind of like a bit of a bad cop um, and then Arsene came in and delivered the nice message um, at half times? That's what they, they kind of did a good cop, bad cop routine. And obviously he's worked no, under, no, was it not that no, case? When they came in at half time, when they came in at half time, there were no cops. It was silence. 
and the players sorted it out amongst themselves. And really, it was all about Arsene. Arsene kept Pat on when he joined the club because he knew he needed someone who understood the fabric of Arsene, understood the values and the traditions and the history and could be a sounding board and, and didn't in any way threaten Arsene's position. You know, Pat didn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't an assistant who dreamt about becoming a, a manager. Pat was an assistant who just dreamt about spending his entire career with Arsenal. So no, I think, I think he was very much supportive. Yeah, he could, you know, he could scream and shout, but really he kind of, he was, he let Arsene take it because Arsene was in charge of it. Yeah. Everything. So, so you say that uh, obviously Pat, he was there because he knew the Arsenal way. As an Arsenal fan, what would you say that is then? Because I mean, as a Luton fan, we always say we like putting the ball on the ground and passing it around on the ground. What is the Arsenal way, and has it changed? Oh, well, yeah, it's changed out of all recognition. But that's um, that's another um, <laughs> that's subject for another podcast. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So um, back in the day, you know, this if you if you said what's what's the Arsenal way? Actually, it probably doesn't have much to do. When I think of the Arsenal way, Arsenal's tradition, Arsenal's values, what Arsenal stand for, actually doesn't have all that much to do with a style of play. What it has to do with is a certain class, a certain quality, a certain propriety, a certain um, attitude, which runs from top to bottom at the football club. Um, you know, for so many years from basically from the kind of Herbert Chapman era onwards, you know, you're talking about the club being handed on amongst sort of posh old English people, um, sort of from generation to generation, really. And, um, you know, at the time, you thought, well, they are, you know, the Hillwoods and the Bracewell Smiths and all these, you can tell they've yeah. got double barreled names and stuff. But there, there was a kind of, there was a, a kind of class about them, but they were, um, and, and that was, that you always felt that Arsenal tried to do things the right way. Um, off the pitch was as yeah. important as on it, you know. So just to give you a couple of examples, um, you know, the fact that in the 80s, <coughs> which obviously kind of ended with the Hillsborough disaster, um, you know, what happened at Hillsborough? Highbury was the only ground in the country where that couldn't have happened. You know, we'd all been at games. If you grew up in the 60s and 70s and 80s watching football, we'd all been at games where there's a crush inside the ground or outside. Or at Highbury, Highbury was the one ground where they refused to put up fences. The only ground that refused to put up fences. Yeah. in the It actually meant Arsenal losing the right to stage FA Cup semi-finals. But they said, no, we won't treat our supporters like animals. We won't do it. That's very interesting. Course, I didn't know that. In, yeah. the, in the worst circumstances possible, in the worst circumstances possible, they were proved that they were right and the rest of football was wrong because they did the right thing. They did what they believed in. Likewise, in the mid-80s, obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, George Graham came in in 1986 um, and, uh, you know, dug a club out that had been struggling for a while. But that same year, Arsenal made the decision off their own bat to appoint a football in the community officer. Yeah. They created a football, in, a football in the community department, which they didn't go asking anybody else to fund it. 
didn't go asking anybody. They funded it themselves. The first ever football in the community department in probably in world football, certainly in British football. And it's continued to be, you know, absolutely, you know, the leader in the field. Um, the, the man who was appointed, uh, a guy called Alan Sefton, been rewarded with an MBE recently for his services to football and services to the community. You know, they have done the right thing. You look and you go, whatever's happening on the pitch, that community department is something to be proud of because there are now, of course, football in the community departments all over the country, many of them funded by the Premier League or by the you know, Football League or the Football Centre or individual programmes. Arsenal set the standard and yep. every other club is running programmes that were invented by Alan Sefton, not to put too fine a point on it. They led the way. Likewise, they decided women's football. We want to support women's football. Yep. So obviously, without Vic Akers, without Arsenal's commitment to women's football, the rest of the world would never have caught up. You know what I'm saying? In, in terms of English football, they were a mile ahead. Yeah. When the FA finally got around to going, oh, yes, we suppose women can play as well after having banned women's football in the 20s. Arsenal were the leaders in that. And so those are the kind of values. That's the kind of vision. and That's the Arsenal way. Yeah. Women <coughs> right is the Arsenal way. In terms of playing style, you know, back in the day, in the 60s and 70s, football was very defensive. And we had, you know, we kind of kept that going, I suppose, right through to, you know, the George Graham era with 1-0 at the Arsenal and all that. But in terms of the playing style, that changed completely when Arsene came. And we, you know, overnight became the most attractive side in English football um, and started playing football that, that basically hadn't really been seen in this country before. Maybe Liverpool in their pomp uh, had that kind of five-a-side style. But what Arsene did was was Something incredible. Else. Yeah. Definitely changed English football. So in terms of style of play, that's not really the point. It's what the club represents. Obviously, the club is no longer a club. It's a wholly owned privately owned entity it's commercial so yeah everything changes um and it has changed uh but as i say that's that's for another (laughs) (laughs) definitely so we are thanks for that that's really interesting answer the way you try the way you separate them out but we're gonna keep going on the best 11 so to your left back tom your left back yeah we've been uh we have been lucky down the years Uh, we have had you could argue two of the greatest ever English uh, left-backs, not just, uh, I mean, seriously, in history. There's two to choose from, do you know what I mean? But I've gone for um, a guy who still, I think, won more caps for England than any other. I think he still holds the record for the most caps ever uh, as an English player. Uh, Most England England caps uh, for an Arsenal player. Famously... He, uh, incredible, uh, incredible quality. Famous. Did he played for Crystal Palace. Oh, you're on it, you are, aren't you? You're <laughs> on it, you. Funny enough, the other one made his senior debut against Crystal Palace. The other one I was ready to put in, and you could interchange it. Really, they're so they're so close in terms of quality. But actually, the one I put in, yes, and was also club captain when Arsenal kind of reemerged from quite a. a you know, a, a, a mediocre spell. He was he was captain in the afternoon with beat Liverpool um, in the Littlewoods Cup final at Wembley in 1987. So anyway, yeah, you're there. You're Kenny Sansom. Kenny Sansom. Correct, correct. But you know, Kenny Sansom, Ashley Cole, 
Yeah. You just think, you know, Kenny was, he was just Arsenal. You know what I mean? Ashley obviously left uh, under unfortunate circumstances, really, um, and went on to have an amazing career at Chelsea. So I, I just went for Kenny. Yeah, excellent. Do you think? How do you think Kenny are going in today's game? As that kind of bombing on for play, for people who haven't seen him play, that kind of bombing on. No, no, Kenny would be fine. Kenny, Kenny understood the job. He understood. That Kenny never got his shorts dirty. He never needed to tackle. <laughs> his anticipation, his understanding of the game was absolutely second to none. Seriously, yeah. you never saw Kenny come off the pitch with any dirt on his shorts because. All of his game was about anticipation. All yeah. of his game was about getting there first. And he was uh, absolutely outstanding. You know, what did he play? 87 times for his country? Yeah, something so, uh, like that? And, yeah. And English football's never been short of left-backs. But Kenny was just on yeah. another level altogether yeah. and would be absolutely fine. Um, I mean, obviously, we're looking at, at Nuno Tavares playing left-back at Arsenal at the moment. What would we give for Kenny in his pomp? Um <laughs> No, Kenny was Kenny was class. Yeah, I mean yourself, Marv. Obviously, did you play against Kenny? Um, and as well as that, would I mean you coming through as a centre back slash left back, Marv? Is Kenny somebody who looked at and thought that's the style? If I when I play left back, I want to play as Marv. I mean, as as, as Tom like alluded to, I mean, Kenny, I mean, I obviously knew of of Kenny growing up and and coming up with the Luton ranks and playing, but I mean. It, it, he probably was the the, the the first or like like attacking fullback you could remember. And let, but you had also I don't know. If, well, Tom, you would remember um, Alan Kennedy at Liverpool, the, the yeah, left yeah. back who yeah. bomb on. So they were like very similar in their moles how they how they joined in the attacks and stuff. So I mean, it was always a case where I mean, obviously, like you mentioned earlier on, Andrew, for like the Luton to play the, with the ball on the ground. I mean, we wanted to attack. We wanted to obviously um, be on the front foot. So it was a case that he was very much someone who probably was in my thoughts when I obviously grown up through coming through the ranks. Yeah, yeah, fan, no, fan. they had a great, they had a great balance. That team had a, you know, the team that Kenny was part of had a great balance for a while. Where they had, you know, you that. That they had left-footed players, just mm. you know, you look, don't you, Mark, for balance in yeah. the team. And, and look, you had Kenny, you had Graham Ricks, you had Liam Brady, you had Paul Davis. Yeah, I mean, that is like but good luck should, finding. Yeah, oh, good luck. Funny you should say that, then. Tom. I, my um, uh, when I'm coming up for the youth team, <clears throat> there was myself, and um, I was playing the left-sided centre back, left-footed. Left back was a, a lad called Richard Harvey, left footed. On yeah. the left side of the centre midfield was an Irish lad, Aaron Ty, left footed. And on the left wing was um, Kingsley Black, who obviously played got man of the match yeah. in the Arsenal. So that was our, our youth team, um, left sided, all left footers, all naturally left footers yeah. in that youth team. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Well, Kenny did have a left foot, right? <laughs> he did. He did. So we're going to go to centre backs, whichever one you want, yeah. left side or right side. Um, we will go. Uh, well, just, either of them could play. Could play either side. You know, when you when you're that good, you play either side. So we'll start. You know, I said David Seaman was just called the goalie, and he's still just called the goalie. They don't refer to him as Dave or Dave Seaman. You know, anybody he played with. 
or anybody who was around the club at the time just referred to him as the goalie. The first of my centre-halves, likewise, is only known as the skipper because he's the greatest captain in Arsenal history. And we've had a few good ones, um, but uh, greatest captain in, in uh, Arsenal history. Um, another man who scored one a lot of England caps. Yeah. One of the very few people to have a league winner's medal from three different decades. That's the kind of clue you're after, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of clue you're after. Okay, yeah. won the league in three <laughs> different decades. Have a go at that, by the way. And as a um, captain, did he? is he one of the only captains to score twice before he lifts the trophy? There's a clue back at you. So he's one of the few captains to score twice in the game that wins him the title. Well, he claims. Yeah, claims. sorry, sorry, yeah. He claims it was, but was, that, was it an own goal by Billich? I think, I think actually was, one of them did go down. He's in the record books as an OG. Yeah, as Billich, his own goal. claims to score twice. <laughs> and of course, the one that definitely was his was good enough that he's ended up with a statue commemorating it outside uh, Emirates Stadium. And a man who has, after we're talking about left foot, he ironically says his left foot was just there to stand on. Yeah, which and, is uh, just false modesty on his part. And yet he <laughs> scored that goal with that left foot. <laughs> well, and that was created by another centre half, wasn't it? Yes. Correct. Yes. 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 By Bob. By Bob. Play me in. So we are talking about Tony Adams. Yes. Yes. We are indeed. And again, you know, I could have, ch- you know, Frank McClintock was a fantastic centre-half, fantastic captain, different kind of centre-half uh, to Tony, but, you know, absolutely, absolutely top draw. And we've, you know, we've had a few, but Tony obviously would be in any Arsenal team. Yeah. Um, and he would captain any Arsenal team, although even though there are, you know, quite a few players in my eleven who did captain Arsenal, Tony would be. Tony would be the one. Alongside him, you'll get this, not a problem. Um, If I just tell you, one of the more controversial of free transfers in the history of England. (laughs) You know when I say I love a centre-half who can head it and kick it. Nobody headed it and kicked it better than this fella. Um, And he did like, he, he didn't mind a charge forward either. To be fair, right. uh, once or twice in every game, he'd, he'd like go on amazing. But really, uh, to head it and kick the, the most incredible athlete, um, the most, in, you know, if you, if you kind of put together a kind of identikit of what a centre half should look like, he was your man. Uh, another one who, who had a fantastic well, career with England as well as a fantastic mm. career. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have a guess now because I think we know who it is. But what I want to ask you, Tom, is that. What was your initial thoughts? Because obviously it was controversial um, reaction to when you heard the news um, that Sol Campbell was signed from Tottenham to Arsenal. Well, it was a surprise, Mark. To be perfectly honest, it didn't come as a bit of a surprise, but one of the very best surprises, you know. And obviously, you know, it's something that I think Spurs fans are still quite bitter about and have kind of invented a lot of kind of backstory that, that never really existed. But, you know, Sol was ambitious. Spurs have lost their way. There's a club around the corner that looks like they're going places. I'll go there, thanks. Um, and, uh, you know, he went there and he, he won the double in his first season, goodness sake, and then was part of the only team in, 
English football history to go a full league season undefeated. So, of course, he went to Arsenal. Um, and, uh, <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? I think you can yeah. understand that. I think, yeah. uh, you know, I understand why Spurs are disappointed that he's a lad who's come up through the ranks and your opinion, your hopes on. He's won the League Cup with, with Tottenham. But I think, you know, fans of any other club go fair play. You know, yeah. fair play to Arsenal for getting him and fair play to Seoul for making the move. It was obviously, I understand Spurs fans' frustration, um, but yeah, it's what happened. Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Definitely. And, and you said, what a signing and a free transfer. you got to say in the top three or four of Arsene Wenger signings, especially if you're after bang for buck. Um, yeah. it, was, it was definitely there. Definitely there. So, Sol and Tony, obviously they play together um, a little bit yeah. um, towards the back end of Tony's, Adams' career. You started to have Cola Torre come in and, and play next to Sol Campbell. They play well for England a bit, but who would you say was Tony Adams' best partner? Who do you reckon he played the best with? Um, well, you'd probably say, well, that's the thing, really. Obviously, what Tony himself says is that he can go through three players he played alongside in the back four, and he can, you know, he can, he can tell you as individuals, you know, the likes of, well, the likes of of Kenny Sanson, the likes of. Um, Viv Anderson, the likes of Soul, you know, that there were these incredible players that he played alongside. But the back four that's gone down in history, of course, was Tony with Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn and uh, Steve Bowles. Oh. None of whom, to be perfectly honest, none of whom come close to being in the best ever Arsenal eleven. But if you want best ever Arsenal back four, <coughs> there you go. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely, because they had that stability. They knew each other's games inside out. Obviously, you had Martin Keown and, and David O'Leary about the place as well. But so in many ways, you'd go, he'd go, oh, well, Steve Bowl, you know, because in, in uh, 89, in 91, and again in, in 2002, uh, sorry, 98 and, yeah. and 2002, he had up until 2002, those first three titles were with Boldy alongside him. It wasn't until as you say, the tail end that Sol came in. But Tony and Sol together playing for England, well, then you go, that's proper. Yeah. That's proper <laughs> centre arms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so Sol was... Something else. Yeah. Great player, great player. Okay, what we can do is we're going to pause it there and then when we come back for a small ad break, we are going to hear the second part of um, Tom's my best 11 thank you for listening to my best 11 pod we are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships you can reach us at my best 11 pod or my best 11 pod at gmail.com thank you Welcome back to the second part of Tom's My Best 11. We're going to hand straight over to Marv for Marv 60 Seconds. All right, Tom. Um, Favourite other sport? Say again. Favourite other sport? Favourite? Is there another sport? Favourite other sport, sorry. Well, it would be what I love doing, which is swimming. All right. Golden goal or penalty shootout? Uh, 
I would say probably penalty shootout, but we're still looking for a better answer to that one. <laughs> uh, Messi or Ronaldo? For me, Messi, but you know, you are talking to arguably the two of the four greatest players of all time. And so for them to be playing at the same time is, is remarkable. Bundesliga, La Liga or Serie A for quality? For quality, well, it depends what you when you say quality. I, I think you would have to say, I think you would have to say La Liga simply because the, the Bundesliga is great. And in many ways, for English fans, the Bundesliga is, you know, it's the one that reminds us of the Premier League. It's got a lot of English football's qualities. But, but it, obviously, it's completely non-competitive as a league. You know, it's Bayern Munich and then who finishes. Whereas La Liga, La Liga, you have, you know, you have Real Madrid, you have Barcelona, you have Atletico. And then you've got the odds outlier like a Sevilla who come through and have an amazing season or even a Villarreal, uh, a Valencia. You know, so that's a proper competitive league, which gives it the edge over the, the Bundesliga. Best stadium you've seen a game? Oh, be- oh blimey. That, that is, that's it. Oh, that's, have you got any idea how many stadiums I've been? <laughs> okay. I'm struggling now. But I would right. say, if I could go and watch football in any stadium, it would be at a stadium called Gerbovica, which is in Sarajevo, uh, home of um, FC Zelezhnitsya in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Okay. Uh, yeah. Fish and chips? Pie and chips, pasta. Oh, good. Yeah, I, well, I'll take all of them, actually. Um, I, I think pasta, uh, me and the boy do a lot. My son, he's, he's learnt to cook. Um, well, you've got to do something to still be in the house at 20-odd. Um, and um, he's, he's, he turns his hand to pasta rather well, so I'll take that all day long. Excellent. All right. one, more, one more, Marvin. And obviously and sportsman, so. Last one, then. Beer, wine or spirit? None. I don't drink. None? Okay. Um, interesting. Interesting. So we are going to keep going on your best 11. Um, so, so far we've got Seaman, Rice, Samson, Adams and Campbell. You said you're going 4-4-2. Um, yeah. So we'll start off in the middle. Are you playing yeah. a holder? Are you diamonding or what are you doing? Well, we'll find out, won't we? Um, <laughs> let's go. We'll start. We'll start. No, we can start. It's pretty simple. I love the defensive. I absolutely love a defensive midfielder. It's my favourite. I come. I, I was at Swansea Bournemouth the other night, and I've seen a lad playing for Swansea, a lad by the name of Flynn Downs, who's come from Ipswich. And um, you go, oh, he's Premier League him. Do you know what I mean? Proper defensive midfielder. Tackles, covers, tracks runs, can play a bit, got an edge to him. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I've seen some... Uh, you know, I've enjoyed watching a lot of really good defensive midfielders over the years. But this guy, by some distance, I would have to say the best def- defensive midfielder in Arsenal. Um, you would, the, the general rule is you never sign a player off a World Cup performance. But this guy was an exception to the rule, simply because nobody expected him to play at those World Cup finals. As it happens, he came in for, I can't remember who was injured, but he came in and played um, and was a star of the tournament. And Arsenal signed him, Arsene Wenger signed him straight after that World Cup. Um, of all the players where you go, you know, obviously Arsenal towards the end of, of Arsene's uh, 
career as, as Arsenal manager, certainly after the, the move to the Emirates, they struggled. And a lot of people go, oh, if only we've been able to keep him, we've got to find a new version of him, we've got to find new... The number one miss was this fella. Um, yeah, best defensive midfielder I've ever seen play for yep. Arsenal. French? One of Brazil's games. Nah, not French. Say again. No? No, not French. No. Brazilian. Brazilian? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Go on, Andrew, you got it. Gilberto. Yeah, the great. What a man as well, by the way. What an absolute gentleman. Yeah, absolute what's, gentleman. what's he up to these days? Where Where is he? I haven't seen, don't he, see him much. He had kind of been, he gets over to Arsenal now and again. I think he was at the um, he was at the Man United game the other day. Um, oh, yeah. But he had kind of business interests in Brazil. He's not really involved in football exactly, but has business interests in Brazil and, you know, with the family. And he's, what a man. Yeah. yeah. So you said, obviously, yourself, that's your favourite position. It's where you'd love to see a player do well. Um, yeah. Talk us through yourself. Did you play football growing up and did you like to play oh, no, defensive I, midfield? I, yeah, yourself? I did play football. I've played, I played until I got, until I ruptured cruciate ligaments in the mid 90s. I played football all the time. But I was fortunate in that by the time I was eight or nine, I realised I was absolutely useless. And that meant I never had that whole kind of, oh, can I get, you know, so all I had to do was play for fun. I just enjoyed it. It didn't matter if I was rubbish, because it don't matter if you're rubbish. Do you know what I mean? You no. can still have fun playing football. It's only the disappointment of not being good enough that spoils the game. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you know you're no good, happy days. So I played all the time when I was growing up, when I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? Played charity football with these Yeah, I you know, played testimonials, all of that, charity football. I love all that. But I was always rubbish, so it didn't. So I ended up playing right back because you can, it, it, you know, if you've got a, a team of 11 players, probably keep out of trouble most in the right back <laughs> position. So if you've got, you, do you know what I mean? That's what yeah. keeps you. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, and Gilberto, um, obviously, yeah, you said that he was the best defensive midfield player. I mean, what do you look for in defensive midfielder yourself? What do you want to see? And what what's, what did Arsenal miss when he left? What was it about him? If you could put your finger on one thing. Well, just that you stop the other team playing and start your team playing. That's the role of a defensive midfielder. Um, and they are actually the best, best players like that. Kind of quite rare, you know, the ones who really do understand that role. Um, it's like you have to have... You have to have the kind of defensive abilities and resilience of a centre-half. At the same time, you've got to have the technical ability of a, um, of a midfield player. So if you look, I mean, you know, you tell me if you can imagine this era of success for Manchester City without Fernandinho. Yeah. He's been Manchester City's yeah. most important player for a decade. Yeah. You can, you can talk about all the, you know, the Sergio Agueros and all the, the Kevin De Bruyne is all the stars. You can talk about them all you like. The absolute keystone, yeah. Fernandinho. And now they seem to have found another one in Rodri, who I wasn't sure of at first, but he's grown into the... And he's, he's the same. A proper, proper defensive midfield player. And, you know, they're so rare. The yeah. really, really good ones are so rare that, you know, Liverpool have matched Manchester City. As often as not, they've had two or three in the team at the same time. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And Leic Leicester, Leicester, yeah, Leicester won the title with Kante and then shipped him off to Chelsea absolutely. and Chelsea win the title straight away. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They are as rare as hen's teeth. They're really, really great ones. And um, 
Yeah, and, and Gilberto Silva is back. Beside him? Beside him is a guy who gets described as the mid, uh, defensive midfield player all the time, but who wasn't, <laughs> who always played alongside genuine defensive midfield players. Shows you what you wonder sometimes what people are watching. Um, he was actually an incredible box-to-box midfielder, a, a natural leader, um, signed when he was very, very young, turned up at a club nobody had ever heard of him, um, played 45 minutes on his debut against Sheffield Wednesday, and every single person, you know, it's one of those, you go, where has he come? Yep. Had a fantastic career, uh, won titles, an invincible. Uh, did he come from a, Did he come from AC Milan? Out of nowhere. He did, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Three and a half million, wasn't it? It was quite, with a great respect, it was a bit of money. If it was that. If it was that. But yeah. but kind so of, it was definitely in the millions. But for a reserve player, that's a bit of money. So as an Arsenal yeah. fan, were you, skip, I know until you've seen him, but were you quite kind of, do we trust this? That's a lot of money for somebody we've never heard of. Oh, especially no, no, especially no, in 97, then, 96. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting it was as much as, I mean, look, we'd sign... Um, yeah, I mean, our record signing at the time was probably about seven and a half million. I don't think I don't think Paddy was as expensive as that, but whatever. No, no, you, you just don't. No, well, whatever you thought, it only took forty five minutes at home to Sheffield Wednesday for you to go give them whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, fella, this fella's proper, and he was. But it's interesting, isn't it? Everybody thinks about Arsenal supporters included. Think about oh, and when they say oh, we you know we need a defensive midfield player, we need we need a Patrick Vieira, and you go actually Patrick Vieira was never a defensive midfield player. He played alongside two great defensive midfield players. Emmanuel Petit was a defensive midfield player. Gilberto Silva was a defensive midfield player. Paddy wasn't. Paddy got on the ball and did everything. Do you know what I mean? You know that's like funny enough that the only player around the current squad who kind of bears comparison with with Paddy is um, Thomas Partey. And nobody would describe him as a defensive midfield player. His game is all about getting it and then, you know, yeah. whether it's with a pass or whether it's with, um, you know, beating the first man or or getting on the end of things. A lot of goals for us. Big goals as well. You know what I mean? Scored one of the goals when we won the league at YR Lane in 04 scored one of the goals the day we became invincibles at home to Leicester at the end of that season. So, you know, Patrick was, um, Patrick wasn't a defensive midfield player. He was all round, um, all round excellence. And as I say, a great captain, a great leader, um, incredible temperament, uh, fantastic athlete. He had the lot. He had the lot. I mean, can, obviously he's doing so well at Palace right now. Can you see him, and this isn't undermining Mikel Arteta, but can you see at some point Patrick coming back to the club, or do you think he spent too long yeah, in the City Group, or would, um, or would you no, be a bit no, worried no. that he'd lose his kind of? Sometimes when legends come back as managers, they sometimes and it doesn't work. They sometimes lose a bit of their iconic. No, no, he, no, it wouldn't be a problem. That wouldn't be a problem. No, pa- Patrick's done really well. Um, loves the Arsenal. Yes, he was involved with us right at the tail end. Was involved as a player, but. More importantly, I suppose you know, found his way as a um, has found his way into coaching and management through the City Group, as you say. But you know, Mikel Arteta, you'd say the same. Absolute legend as a player at Arsenal, did fantastic with a sick player for us. But found out, learned to do the job at Manchester yeah. City. Um, so no, it wouldn't be a problem 
Paddy coming back wouldn't be excellent. So we we'll go on, Muff. No, no, no. That's what I say. On the on the on the left or right? Who who's here? We go with four now, Tom. Left or right side of midfielder? Okay. Um, whichever. You, let's go right. Let's start with okay. right. Right side. Um, and of all the players in it, if you wanted someone who represents, I mean, we talked about values. If you want a player who represented Arsenal's values, Arsenal's identity, Arsenal's quality to the club, better probably than anybody in history, this would be someone who absolutely lived and died for Arsenal Club, uh, didn't play for us for nearly as long as he could have or should have. Um, and, oh, well, I get a bit choked up anyway, didn't live for us or should have. Um, yep. But absolutely, he, this right side midfield could also play central midfield with distinction, but right side midfield, um, he was the he was the kind of player that supporters love more than any other because you looked at him and you went, if I played for Arsenal, that's what I'd play like. His love of the club, his enthusiasm, his commitment to the cause, his desire to represent Arsenal in the best way possible, just kind of stood out a mile. The supporters loved him, absolutely loved him. And it was the same in the dressing. People just loved him. Remember who you are, what you are, and who you represent. You know, he, he was top man. Yeah, Andrew. He, he came through the academy at the Arsenal. I think he came through the same season as Tony Adams. They were in the same the uh, same youth. Yeah, Tony Tony played first team. Yeah, uh, played first team on well, and, and well, you you you'll see. There's quite a lot of the players in this team are, are homegrown players. At least half yeah. of the team is homegrown. Was it? And uh, no, and there was a great. You know, there was a fantastic because you absolutely you had David Rocastle, you had Tony Adams. But by the way, you also had Michael Thomas, you had um, Niall Quinn, you had Martin Keown, who came through at the Martin Hayes. You know, you had all these players yeah. come through at the same time. Um, you know, the class of 82 were, uh, yeah, and, and Dave was very much part yeah. of that. David Rowcastle, yeah. yeah. Fantastic player, fantastic, uh, sensational player. And I mean, obviously, Arsenal fans love him and Rocky and, um, like you said, unfortunately, taken... Way too, way too soon and way too early. Um, and as Nasser, scored kind of, one, sorry, Andrew, he scored one of the best goals I remember seeing, um, where he's gone in between, I think, Robson and someone and Chips Michael. I don't know if you remember that goal at Old Trafford. Yeah. But you know, yeah, but we try, we try and forget that goal, though, Marv. You know why? Because <laughs> it was Arsenal's goal in a 4 1 hiding. We got done 4 1. First game of the season. 1989-90, the year after we were up, we'd won the title. Go to Old Trafford, and you're absolutely right, it was unbelievable. But Dave scored a lot of unbelievable. Yeah. Scored near the halfway line when we won the title in 89. Scored, uh, I think it was New Year's Day, scored from almost the halfway line, Chips, Nigel Spink, whoever it was at Villa Park. And I saw that goal go in. I, I, I turned down work for six months. I thought, <laughs> we're winning the league here. Yeah. We're winning the league here. Yeah. Fantastic. No, great. And then, should we go to the other side? Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, David was right-footed, could play central midfield, and if he'd stayed at Arsenal, particularly after Ian Wright arrived at the club, I think David would have ended up as a central midfield player. Um, but right foot, on the left, you've got another, well, probably a guy who, who's better known as a central midfield player, but because he was all left foot, could play out wide, 
played out wide when he was younger. Um, for up until um, up until we signed Dennis, any Arsenal supporter um, would say he's the greatest player that they ever saw play for Arsenal. Yeah, best player they ever saw play for. Another one who came through the ranks. He though ended up going off to Italy, uh, winning titles in in Serie A. Uh, fantastic career for the Republic of Ireland as well. You know, <clears throat> he is right up there, and and certainly for the first. What uh, what we're we talking about here? So mid sixties, mid seventies, mid eighties, mid nineties. So for forty years, he was the greatest player I saw for us. Saw play for Chippy Brady. Chippy Brady. Fagan. Yeah, yeah. Brady. I mean, yeah. Brady is better than Noddle. We all agree. Brady is better than Noddle. I mean, Brady was amazing. Amazing left foot. Amazing left foot. Um, and uh, and the thing about Chippy was, he had all the ability in the world. But he didn't mind attack. He did the dirty stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? You almost think, God, with that kind of ability, you shouldn't have to get your hands dirty. <laughs> but Chibi weren't fussed. He was he was some some player. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Fantastic player. Fantastic. Marv, do you play um do you, sorry, you play against Brady, but um you remember play, watching Brady? A lot in your uh, time. I mean, that's, I mean, cheapy break. I, I used to remember playing the game. We used to call it Wembley. We used to just go out after watching the FA Cup final, and everyone just gets to kick the ball up, and you're just on your own. And whoever scores the goal, you go through to the next round. That was like, I mean, the thing for me. But as Tom said, all left footed, but like unbelievable. Like where he could put that ball on a sixpence to anyone with his left foot. And the thing what, yeah. for me, Tom, which I think you'll agree, is that. For someone so one-footed, it's unbelievable he had that much influence that, I mean, I'm sure people thought they were trying to be smart, just stand on his left foot, he hasn't got no right foot, but somehow he'd, yeah. been, he'd manipulate the ball and keep it on his left foot. No, no, because he was incredible. He was incredibly quick over the first yard and, it, yes, he could pass, but he was arguably the best dribbler I've ever seen. The ball at his feet, do you know what I mean? He, 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 Chippy had everything. He had absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Fantastic. So that just leaves us, doesn't it, with with two up front. Yeah, two up front. Yeah, two up front. Okay. So I make these two easy for you. They are easy and they're fairly obvious, to be honest. Even though you know there are, it means leaving players that I love, particularly from the first ever double era. That was the team. They were my heroes. Um, and you know it involves leaving out people like John Radford. But what you're talking about here is. Two, let's take them both. It's two or three. It's got to be two or three. It's two or three, isn't it? No, it's two or three. I can even think of two. I can even think of two. Greatest goal scorer in Arsenal's history, the greatest player in Arsenal's history. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you put righty in there. That's why I said it. Righty, I loved it. That's what I'm saying. You you have to leave someone like righty out. Yeah. Righty would look at those two and go, fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Even righty. Yes. Yeah. Who, you know, who's, don't get me wrong, absolutely top man. And his love for the club and all of that is just infectious. And was, of course, Arsenal's record goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, top, top man. But. Which one do you want to go to first? The greatest goal scorer? You me, you must have, well, no, you've oh, got yeah. them both, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've always said to Marv that my, my favourite player growing up and the best player I've ever seen with my own eyes was Dennis Burkamp. 
by yeah. a by a decent margin. I've seen Ronaldo, I've seen Messi. I still think Bergkamp was the best player I've seen. I was lucky enough to have tickets to Arsene Wenger's first ever home game. Um, at, sorry, sec- his second ever home game at Highbury back when I lived back in England, the Sunderland, Sunderland game. And we ended up playing against nine men. Um, it was a really ironic game. Um, I don't know if you remember that one. but And Bergkamp, I remember as a I sport Luton, but as a kid, you always go to a bigger club. And I queued up to get, remember the old lightning bolt one? the old blue lightning bolt away shirt. Mm. Burkamp signed a day before and I had Burkamp 10 on the back of my shirt. And it was just, I thought as a kid, this is a turning moment. Looking back now, especially, it was a turning moment for the Premier League. It was like, you yeah, know, Cantona Kant- 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 was, yes, but he was signed from Leeds to United. And he took off at United, but Burkamp coming across as kind of, the Premier League's made it. The Premier League is starting to bring him in. Yeah, absolutely. Although, funny enough, he had had a bad time at um, uh, Inter. Uh, at, at Inter, he played alongside a little um, what was his name? A little Uruguayan centre forward um, who was who, who actually did everything he could to make Dennis look bad. Do you know what I mean? It was uh, was it Sosa? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, but you're absolutely right. See, the thing with Dennis is everybody talks about, and quite rightly so, talks about Arsene Wenger changing Arsenal Football Club, rewriting the DNA. Um, rewriting everything that you expected from Arsenal teams that, you know, just changed everything and in doing so changed English football. I would say Dennis Burkamp is at that same level. I think Dennis's impact certainly on Arsenal and arguably on English football is up there with. Yeah. Well, he changed the way they thought. He changed the way players diet, didn't he? Players started changing their diet before Wenger even came in because they looked at him. Yeah. Started changing everything. He was, you know, and you look and you go. And the thing with Dennis was, look, what you want, you want as a player, as a sport, you want to, you know, you go to games, don't you? And you go, just send me away with one thing. <laughs> if you if you if you're watching, if you're watching a football match and there's you know, there's nothing, you go, look at that. Look at what that bloke just done. Liam Brady used to do it all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Charlie George used to do it back in the day. If you talk to older supporters, there are people like Alex James back in the 30s. He used to, in fact, Alex James back in the day, people wouldn't say, Are you going to Arsenal? They'd say, Are you going for a Bob's worth of Alex? Okay. <laughs> are you going to go and pay a shilling to watch Alex James do something that nobody else can do? Yeah. So Dennis Burkamp is absolutely in that tradition. And, you know, you go, Probably my. Of all the, uh, you know, Dennis just did things that nobody else. See, the thing is, Dennis didn't just do things that nobody else. He thought of things that nobody <laughs> else could imagine doing. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like when he done Dabisas at Newcastle, yeah. that famous one where he, he sent the ball one way. But nobody else is even thinking about doing that. And anybody who thinks about doing that from then on is only doing it because they saw Dennis Bocat doing it. <laughs> And I loved it. You had you had all these kind of pundits who go, oh, did, did Dennis did Dennis Burkamp mean that? And you go, are you having a laugh, mate? You've got no idea how good he is, have you? So you go, I, my greatest memory uh, amongst so many great memories of Dennis is um, first away game of the 97-98 season. Was that we Leicester game? Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, away to Leicester. He scored the greatest hat-trick in the history of football. In the history of football. It, it actually, you know, they do on match of the day how they do yeah. gold of the month. 
Yeah, that month, Dennis came first, second and third with the hat-trick at Leicester. <laughs> the greatest hat-trick in the history of football, full stop, capped by one of the greatest goals yeah. in English yeah. football history. The long ball forward from um, David Platt, one touch to take it away from the... Uh, one touch to get it under control, one touch to take it away, without the ball ever touching the ground, by the way, one touch to take it away, one touch to get it under control, one to take it away from the defender, and the third to put it into the corner. Unbelievable. And people went, oh, and again, they go, oh, was it? And then the geezer goes to the World Cup in 98 yeah. and does exactly what was the same goal for Holland against yes. Argentina. You go, this fella is just different gravy. He's different gravy. But, you know, Without question, the greatest footballer I've ever seen. Yeah. And I've seen a lot. You know, I, obviously Messi was, you know, I've seen Messi, I've seen Ronaldo, and, you know. But for me, Bergkamp is Genius. Genius. Yeah. Talking of geniuses, what about the man next to him? Greatest goal tour in Arsenal history. You So you have to have, you know, um, and when you think that, you know, you think of all the great things Arsene painted, but to take a kind of a kid who was already playing international football for France, mm -hmm. was already playing at a top club in Italy, but as a left winger, to go, I'll get a bit more out of you here. You know what I mean? He wasn't a goal scorer. Oh, definitely. No. Definitely wasn't a central striker. You know, his signature was starting on the left and coming in. And to be fair, for so much of his time at Arsenal, we had Dennis Bergkamp playing him in. You know, I, th I think I probably could have got 100 goals for Arsenal. <laughs> immediately behind me, do you know what I mean? The geezer, but and and you know, Thierry would recognize how huge an impact Dennis and indeed Robert Perez had, um, on, on what he was able to do. But you just go, Thierry was Arsenal to get out of jail card, he was the, absolutely, yeah, you know, just one of those where a uh, fully four or five seconds before a lot of his goals, you'd go, goal here. Goal, yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you at the Man United game with the lob, the the lob, the shot yeah, the, yeah, against Barthez? Yeah, yeah. In fact, funny enough, really, because my mum was in a wheelchair at, at the time, I was actually in the disabled section, which meant I was absolutely not in line with the shot, but in line with Thierry when he chests it down, turns and, and it's hit. No, absolutely. They, you know, there are a million goals. Yeah. yeah. A million goals you go to for Thierry. And maybe, uh, oh, there are so many. I loved scoring against Tottenham. You know, no, he had he had everything. He had everything, Thierry. So you can't you can't possibly leave him out of the team. The only, you know, the only heartbreak with Thierry was the closest we ever got to winning the European Cup because we were down ten men and he was having to put in such a defensive shift. He missed two chances, which ninety nine times out of a hundred against Barcelona and Paris he would have scored, but he was just that half yard. Not quite with it because he'd been having to work so hard defensively because we were playing with 10 men after Jens Lehmann got sent off. He missed two absolute proper Thierry Henry chances. And that would have put us 2-0 up against Barcelona. And the fact that Barcelona equalised with an offside goal and all that stuff wouldn't matter because at 2-0 we would have, you know, we would have won the European Cup in at the Stade de France that night. But but generally, Thierry was, you know, and you, you think about when he came back and the goal he scored against Leeds in the FA. Yeah. The FA. He come off the I was actually watching that game with, with um, Lee Dixon, funny enough. And, you know, we're going, we're, we're, you know, we're following the game, chatting one thing and another. And then Thierry comes on, you know, going, oh, yeah, you know. And he scores the goal, which was signature. Picks the ball up in the left channel, cuts in onto his right foot, 
steers it inside the far post. It was like Thierry's goal. That was his signature goal. And, you know, obviously the whole stadium is up and, and cheering and, you know, sort of talk about the hero return. Me and Lee just burst out laughing. You go, this don't happen. This is like beyond boys own. We burst out laughing. Because you think, well, you know, Cherry was carrying a bit of weight at that stage. He had that funny old beard on and stuff. But it was still like, yeah, I am Cherry Henri, by the way. Yeah. If you give the ball to me there, then what happens is it ends up there. Yeah. Absolute signature. No, it's fantastic. fantastic. Excellent. Marv. Yeah, so final question, Tom. Which, I yeah. mean, it can be a different manager is going to leave this 11. Which manager is going to leave this 11 of your... Um, I think that group of players, I could manage them. I could get a tune out of that lot. Um, but no, obviously, uh, you know, there is, it's quite rare for for uh, clubs to have, well, it's quite rare to have one manager who completely kind of changes a football club. But to have two, quite rare, you know, and you could say, okay, there's Bill Shankly and Jürgen Klopp. You could say there's Matt Busby and Alex Ferguson. And Arsenal, there was Herbert Chapman in the 30s. Uh, that turned Arsenal from also rounds into the greatest club in, in world football during the 30s. And then you had Arsene. Now, all of those players I've named, I saw them play. Um, so I'd have to say the manager would have to be someone I watched his teams play. And, you know, there have been one or two decent, you know, George Graham before it yeah. ended in tears. Amazing things at Arsenal. Obviously, Bertie Mee with Don Howe alongside him winning the Fairs Cup, Arsenal's first ever trophy, and following that up by doing the, the double, first of Arsenal's doubles yeah. in history, only the second club to ever do the double at that at that time. You go, these are these are great. But Arsene, Arsene changed everything. Changed Arsenal, changed English football. You know, um, it's, you know, it's a it's a pity, to be honest, it ended how it did, because he deserved uh, better. Um, he really did deserve better. Um, to be fair, uh, you know, Arsene did fantastic things for Arsenal. I've got to say, Arsenal did fantastic things for Arsene. There are very, very few clubs where Arsene would have got the freedom, the complete freedom to do what he wanted that he got at Arsenal. Um, the patience to stick with him during sticky spells. You know, he, he, Arsenal were great for him. It was just the perfect, the perfect combination. Quite why he didn't leave sooner, I don't yeah. know. He did love the club. Where do you go? You know, I mean, Arsene's forever saying, oh, well, you know, I could have gone to Paris Saint-Germain. I could have gone to Real Madrid. And you go, yeah, for like a year. You know I mean, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. clubs wouldn't offer you what Arsenal offered you. And I think he was that in love with the football club. And he built that stadium. And I know, you know, without him, that stadium wouldn't have been built. And I know, I'm sure he was desperate to win something in that stadium to cap things off. Eventually, he did win an FA Cup, which is great. Uh, two FA Cups, in fact. But, but he'd just go, three FA Um, He'd just go, maybe it just, you know, it was, it was bad at people. It was bad, disrespectful. Very, very. And yet, at the same time, even people who loved him thought it's just gone on too long. Yeah. So also, I want to say thank you very much on behalf of myself and Marv. Yes, um, Tom, thank you. For coming on the pod. Right. It was great to hear from you. Anything and, um, for a hat, Marv.